edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of The Genesis Six Conspiracy, and this is episode 51, The Days of the Trumpet. And I'm very excited to talk about this part of end-time prophecy and end-time chronology because it brings so many things together. And once you take the step to put your faith in Jesus to put all prophecy around what Jesus said and not vice versa and not to apologize or try and rationalize but look at the words and we've done some past editions that I think sort of show that if you follow the chronology Jesus lays down in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 17 and 21 and I like to use Matthew 24 as a template put the additional details of Mark onto it as well as the additional details of Luke it works best because I think Matthew has the most complete chronology but those other passages are, on, are not only second and third witnesses but also provide some very very important details not in Matthew and when you do that you can even slide quite easily Old Testament prophecies into the chronology just have to be aware of the markers and we're going to begin talking about markers and prophecy because Revelation is linear the chronology with what Jesus provides is linear and the Bible provides you markers Old Testament or New Testament that all match up in terms of its imagery and its timing you just have to let it fall into place and let Jesus be your guide and so when you're sliding in Old Testament prophecies just remember, and we're going to add, we're going to add in a few today, just to, but not to sort of confuse things, but just to sort of show one of those markers when we get into this. But you want to be very careful not to confuse Old Testament prophecies with the church prophecies of the New Testament. And you want to not confuse Old Testament prophecies between Judah and Israel, between the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom and of course the northern kingdom was lost but they're going to be relevant in the in the last seven years so you have to remember in all of this end time prophecy and chronology that judah is going to be addressed and reconciled and israel will be awakened probably beginning with the 144,000 at the start of the last seven seven years by the 144,000 and they're going to be called by name by God and they're going to remember who they are so we need to keep all of that kind of in mind and it's it's really good sort of context for understanding the days of the trumpet because you'll start to see some of that symmetry come into place today and the symmetry that comes out of today's show if you go back into previous shows you're going to see perfect symmetry in chronology again because we're following in the words of our Messiah who is the spirit of prophecy who is the Word of God and is who the Bible is all about in our, our salvation so in the days of the trumpet it's a very key period for for understanding chronology and it's a very key period where events take place in rapid succession and a short period of time that we'll talk about the length of that time today 
and events occur that are very, very important. These are some of the most pivotal, pivotal events ever recorded in Scripture, and they're happening in, in a hurry, and they're happening in a time when even the elect will be deceived if that were possible, and Jesus has warned us that that is possible and it will happen. So we have to become very, very conversant in Scripture, in prophecy, and in prehistory to understand the context and rely on Jesus' words. And so the timing of the days of the trumpet occurs before the wrath bulls because Revelation is, thin, is linear, just as I've said, and you're going to see that very sort of clearly laid out again today. And it happens before an event in Luke 4 and in Isaiah that's called the year of the, uh, of the Lord's favor. And it happens before the year of the Lord's wrath. And it happens before the year of the day of the Lord. And again, all of those years or days, that's that prophetic allegory that's really, really important because Daniel really underscores that. And then it's used again in Revelation that a day is a prophetic year, just as the last seven years in Daniel 9.27 is a week of years. And of course, the days of the trumpet and the last trumpet happens before rapture and is intimately connected to rapture and intimately connected to Jesus's coming. So we need to understand all of this and put it into context. And as I said, there's key markers that we're going to be talking about today. So trumpet is one of those. Trumpet is one of those times that once you understand the timing of the days of the trumpet, wherever you see the trumpet blast in prophecy in the Old Testament or the New Testament, that's a marker. And just as Jesus has laid out that we'll cover off a little bit later here. So it's just one of the markers, not all of them. And so the timing of the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, is after the fifth angel who opens the abyss in Revelation 9. And after the scorpion-like beings that come out and the, the horrific destruction and pain and suffering that these beings are going to cast onto the earth and onto the people and that's the first woe so it happens after the first woe and that's the first woe when the revelation when when revelation uh, 9 happens and the abyss is opened that's going to lead into another event which is very close to the end of the first three and a half years which is the 200 million man army in world war three but we're not there yet and, but in Revelation 9, you have a mighty angel, oh, I'm sorry, in Revelation um, 10, going in linear chronology, as we're talking about, you have a mighty angel that's proclaiming now the seven thunderous warnings that are not permitted for John to be written down. And as awful as the woes are, I wonder how awful the warnings of the seven thunders are to the whole world. So somehow the whole world, through this mighty angel and in his proclamation and in his, in his voice, is going to pronounce the seven thunders on the earth. And Revelation 
after the mighty angel, that's in verses 1 through 4, that's when the day of the seventh trumpet begins. And then again, understand that term, the day of the seventh trumpet. That would be a year. And I'm, I'm, and day can be also be translated as more than one day, as you take that out of Greek. So I'm thinking that this timing is just before the midpoint of the last seven years, when the, when the seventh trumpet starts, but it's for at least a year and maybe up to two years. And in the seventh trumpet, we have a midpoint that's going to happen that's a marker of the abomination in Judea fleeing from Jerusalem at the abomination. So we want to keep that in mind, and that's all within the days of the seventh trumpet. And after the seventh trumpet, the wrath bowls are going to come. And notice that word wrath bowls, the wrath that we're going to be saved from. The year of the Lord's wrath, the last year of the last seven, last year of the last seven years is the year of the Lord's wrath and the day of the Lord. And when we start to look at this kind of chronology, that we're going to see a whole series of events now within Revelation 9 through 14 that has a significant number of important events. And it says in, in Revelation 10, 7, that in this period is the mystery of God will be finished. And the mystery of God is the mystery of Jesus and the mystery of the bride, the complete bride that's going to be finished and revealed. And it's the timing when Jesus comes because he is part of that mystery and he's part of the supper before Armageddon. And it's the time of the resurrections that are finishing. And there's a sequence to the revolutions. Christ, the first fruits, probably those elders that we see in Revelation uh, 4 and 5, and the first fruits of Revelation 6, those who were martyred before the last seven years, and before those who are martyred, proclaiming the G name of Jesus in the first three and a half years. And then you have when Jesus comes and comes for the dead, and he comes for, for rapture. And there's more sequences after that, but um, these are the important ones as we're looking right now in the days of the trumpet. But let's also put in the resurrection of Israel in Ezekiel 38, just so that people don't think I missed that. Although we're not going to talk a lot about that one today. And so we have the resurrection sequence, and we have Dretcher, we have the rapture, and we have the second exodus because lost Israel has been awakened. And that will happen towards the end of the days of, of the trumpet. And you have uh, the bride that's going to be assembled and ready for, for the supper. All of this is part of the revealing of the mystery of God. So, Revelation uh, 10 sets up the major events that's going to be happening after everything that's been set up in Revelation 10. And so the days, as I said, suggest more than one year up to two years. So sometime just before the midpoint, maybe up to a year, and maybe up to a year or so after, or you know, half a year 
before the midpoint and then a year and a half after. We need to be open to that time frame because they don't know the exact timing of things, but we know the seasons and we know the windows. And we know there's the last seven years, which is, and we know when the midpoint is at the abomination as, as Daniel 9.27 talks about. And so we have uh, in, 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 <clears throat> in this midpoint, we have that abomination when, when Antichrist is going to be um, crowned as the king. And that's all going to be represented in the linear nature of what uh, Revelation and the days of the trumpet are going to lay out in these details that are going to be happening after Revelation 10. And these are all marker points. So abomination is a marker point. When Antichrist is crowned is a marker point. And this is all before the wrath. And when Judea flees is a marker point. And when the archangel sounds with his voice is is a marker. Uh, and the trumpets, of course, are markers. And there, there, are, there are more. So you'll always know if you're looking for the consistency to the markers what the timing is. So let's move into Revelation 11. And in Revelation 11:1, 1, in the days of the trumpet, it's the time when the Gentiles ruled Jerusalem and the temple for the commission of the two witnesses, which is three and a half years. And we know from Daniel 9:27 that the last seven years begins with the covenant that Antichrist negotiates for Babylon. And we know that Antichrist in that covenant through the universal religion of Babylon will permit Judah in Israel, in the land of the covenant, in Jerusalem, in on an extremity or a wing or overspreading of the temple, depending on which translation that reading will do their sacrifices or be permitted to do their sacrifices for the first three and a half years until the time of the abomination. So we have a marker the two witnesses and their time frame. And the end of the commission of the two witnesses is going to happen in the days of, of the trumpet. And when does that happen? After Revelation 9, in the days of, in, in the trumpet blast, but before the uh, last uh, trumpet is sounded, you're going to have the Apollyon Abaddon come up out of the abyss. And Apollyon Abaddon is going to, at the midpoint of the last seven years, he is going to uh, kill the two witnesses. And they'll be lying on the ground for three days before they're being resurrected. And the world will celebrate like it was Christmas, the greatest thing that ever happened because of the prophecies of the two witnesses are not good for the entire world. Uh, they are uh, giving prophecies of calamities and disasters and trying to wake people up to understand the times are in and to commit to, to Jesus and, and, and to God. But the king of the abyss that comes up after Revelation 9 and in Revelation 11 after the seventh trumpet has blasted at the midpoint of the last seven years in that zone just probably just before he's going to kill the two witnesses this is the time um, that uh, 
of Luke 21.20 when Antichrist has surrounded Jerusalem with his armies after the Gog War of Revelation 9, which is the 200 million, which is Joel 1 and 2, but not Joel 3 because that's Armageddon. Look for the markers. And it's a time when Antichrist has surrounded not only Jerusalem with the armies, but it's also the time of the second woe, and it's also the time when he's going to create the abomination. And it's the time Judea will look at who Antichrist actually is and will flee from Jerusalem to the wilderness. That's recorded in Revelation 12. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in a second. Uh, and is going to be protected for three and a half years. So you've got clear markers all the way through on the timing of this. We just need to follow the chronology of what Jesus is, is telling us. And in Revelation 11:18, it's now telling us that the wrath is about to come. So the, the sequence of events of things that are going to take place are going to happen in rapid succession towards the midpoint of the last seven years and that last sort of six months to a year and then right at that point and then a whole bunch, you know, immediately thereafter. And that's why you need to follow the chronology in Revelation and set it around what Jesus is saying. So in Revelation 12, which is after the two witnesses, after the abomination, what happens? Judea is pictured in the vision in Revelation 12 as fleeing to the wilderness to be protected because they're being attacked by Antichrist and the dragon who is Satan. Revelation uh, 12 will clearly call Satan the dragon, the serpent, and the devil, and he's the deceiver who has led the whole world astray and leads the fallen angels when there's also the war in heaven, which is another marker for the midpoint when Michael is going to stand. And he's going to, and this is also recorded in Daniel 12, when Michael stands. This is when Antichrist is permitted to come to power. This is the time in Revelation 12 that Antichrist is working with Satan who has the power, which we're going to cover uh, that detail about in Revelation 13. And this is the time of not only Antichrist exercising the power, it's the time of, of the mark of the beast. So understand that Revelation 12 is clearly the midpoint right after the abomination when there's war in heaven. And in Daniel 8, Antichrist is going to try and raise his throne to heaven and he's actually going to bring down some of the starry hosts. That is part of the Revelation 12 prophecy. And then after, after Judah successfully flees from the dragon and Antichrist. He's going to turn on all of those who are still on earth and thereafter to Armageddon who hold the word of Jesus and testify to who he is and are loyal to God. He's going to persecute them. And those, of course, are the people who aren't going to worship Antichrist and Satan or take the Mark of the Beast, and it's all three to avoid the lake of fire if you have not been raptured, uh, which will come shortly uh, in this time frame as well. 
So you have this marker that is set out that is also the war in heaven. And this is also Matthew 24, 15 to 20 for the abomination. And Matthew, up to Matthew 24, 29, when you have the stars falling from heaven. Stars are angels, just as recorded in Daniel and elsewhere in the Bible. And of course, in, in Revelation 12, as the fallen angels falling from, from heaven. And this is the time of when the powers of heaven are shaken as well and powers is one of those words that goes back to a type of angel and powers are part of that angelic hierarchy so the powers of heaven the angelic uh, powers in heaven are shaken we're not told who those powers are whether they're fallen or some of the starry hosts that may be trampled and thrown down the earth but that's the time the powers are are in heaven are shaken and in Isaiah 28 at Revelation 12 you have the covenant being annulled the covenant of death and Israel who and Judah in, in this case Judah are going to be overwhelmed um, by a river the dragon spews out and again in in, in Revelation in Isaiah 28 it talks about this overwhelming scourge that's the river that the dragon spews out so a lot of things going on in here at the midpoint with the war in heaven and antichrist taking over so in matthew in revelation 13 then you get the details of antichrist coming to power and being part of the beast empires and he's given the power from the dragon in revelation 13 and that power is going to be given uh, by the dragon that is in full operational power in the last three and a half years when, when he's crowned in the temple as, as Antichrist. And in Revelation 13, this happens, the rise of Antichrist before the war in heaven because we see Antichrist with the dragon in heaven and Antichrist takes power after the abomination. So we're getting that details of where the power comes from when it happens, but it happens in that detail as aspect right after Revelation 12. And then we get the timing of his reign, which is three and a half years, which is the last three and a half years. Right. And that's when the mark of the beast is is implemented after he's come to power. So Revelation 13 catches us up and then starts to overlay what his reign is going to be like in the last three and a half years. And then Revelation 14 comes along and again in perfect linear chronology. And in verses one through five, we see the last of the first fruits of the resurrection. The 144,000, and they're called first fruits. Now we're not told they're killed, but they're the first fruits, which and they're in heaven. So this implies that they were likely martyred as well, as part of the first fruits. And before, this is before then, when the saints who are killed in the first three and a half years in the tribulation of the saints not the tribulation of the rest of the world that has been since the beginning of time which is going to happen in the last three and a half years after the trumpets with the wrath bowls 
they this hap this is a scene that is before that resurrection of the the saints uh, I'm sorry it is the resurrection of the saints as well in Revelation 7 who are also um, martyrs uh, I was confusing that sorry with uh, all of those who have died beforehand who died in Jesus but not were not martyrs so this is part of that same resurrection of the of the, of the uh, of the first fruits. Sorry for, for confusing you on that. Hopefully I've straightened that out. But that's when we get that marker. And so we know that that is the midpoint and that the rain would be in the first three and a half years by those markers. And then Revelation 14, 6, just as 144,000 were preaching the gospel and just as the two witnesses were preaching the gospel in the first Three and a half years, the angel seals the time of the preaching of gospel talked about in Matthew 24, 14 for the first three and a half years because the gospel is preached by an angel flying through the air and that completes that aspect of it. And then Revelation 14, 9, we get another warning from an angel not to worship Antichrist and, and Satan. Okay, so one last sort of warning. And Revelation 14, 11 we get a summary of the last three and a half year events. So Revelation 14 at the middle point is really kind of the end of the first three and a half years from a Revelation perspective. And events that will happen after that are going to be sometime into the first three and a half years. Which makes, some, which makes perfect sense when you look at um, Revelation 17, after Antichrist has come to power, after the ten kings have given us power, he's going to destroy Babylon, sometimes shortly into the first three and a half years. And you're going to have um, this destruction of Babylon before the rapture and the resurrection of those who died in Christ, not the martyrs, not the first fruits, but before the rapture and that part of the resurrection uh, sequence because you have this warning not only from for Israel and Judah but for Christians to come out of Babylon come out of the universal religion it's the last chance Revelation 18 4 and then in Matthew 24 31 and let me just sort of back up uh, a, a little bit when uh, we're talking about the last three and a half years. You're getting some of those details um, and of the events that are happening, but also showing as markers for when the rapture is about to happen and the other and second exodus is about to happen and the year of the Lord's favor and then the supper and then Armageddon by how it lays things out in Revelation 17 and Revelation 18 with Revelation 19, the time of Armageddon. So in Matthew 24, 31, Jesus then sends out his angels after the abomination, after the start of the tribulation or about the tribulation of that's not seen since the beginning to collect his elect, the church and all of Israel, including Judah. So second Exodus is, is going to be part of that gathering with the sound of a great trumpet so at the end of the days of the last trumpet and with a loud voice 
with the great sound of a trumpet. And if you put now 2 Thessalonians 2.4 overlaying onto what Jesus said, it's going to happen, rapture is going to happen after Antichrist is revealed and sets himself up in the temple as God. That's at the abomination. So this is happening after that, shortly thereafter that, before the wrath bowls, because we're going to be saved from the wrath. And we haven't talked about the wrath bowls yet, because they, they did start in Revelation 15. And I also note that we can take the timing of first half events, Revelation 14, in the middle. And then you get the summary of the last three, three and a half years. So that's why the details of destruction just after the midpoint follow that point. Even though you get the destruction clearly marked of Babylon in that summary, but early on in the last three and a half years. And if you take 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and you lay this onto the Revelation chronology that's based on the Jesus chronology of Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 17, and 21, it says when in 4.16, 1 Thessalonians, when Jesus comes with a voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God it lines up perfectly with Matthew 24 31 and the voice of an archangel is the voice of the seventh trumpet as Revelation 10 7 calls out and his trumpet blast the symmetry is perfect when you triangulate Matthew 24 31 and first uh, Thessalonians 4 16 in Revelation 10 7 and if you wanted to use 2nd Thessalonians uh, 2 4 in there you can triangulate that with the, any of those events as well as 1st Corinthians 15 51 to 52 for the days of the trumpet and at the end of the trumpet at the last trumpet at the voice of that archangel when Jesus sends out his angel to call the elect to be gathered for the supper which is going to include second exodus which is going to be part of the year of the Lord's favor that happens before the year of the Lord's wrath before Armageddon and Revelation 19 1 Corinthians behold a mystery we will be raised and changed in a twinkling of an eye this is the fulfillment of the mystery of God of the trumpets perfect symmetry and we will all be changed raised incorruptible at the last trumpet with the resurrection in the sequence of those who died in Christ after the first fruits and those are who are still alive that our bodies will be changed incorruptible to be like the same type of body that Jesus had that Thomas touched that can go between heaven and earth. It is something new. It is something new that is being created in that body, but it's at the last trumpet. So all of these events are squeezed into a very short period of time. And then after Revelation 14, you get this series of events in Revelation 15 of what's going on in heaven to provide more context and background and then in revelation 16 you get the bold judgments that finishes with 
Armageddon, with Jesus also coming back like a thief that's also placed in that sequence of events. So just after the midpoint, he's coming back for a rapture, he's coming back for second exodus, and collecting all of the bride, and then for Armageddon. And the sequence just is in perfect chronology. You just have to let it flow. So I'm hoping that I was clear enough with all of these types of events, and I know this, is, this can be very, very complicated, but there's a sense of comfort that you do have some keys to understand prophecy. And if you wanted to understand my approach, I have a 10-point bullet approach in terms of how I approach prophecy. You can get a hold of me through my website at thegenesis6conspiracy.com. That's the Genesis 6 conspiracy with the number 6conspiracy.com. You can... Um, request that through the contact the author icon and until next time may may you take care and may god bless you abundantly thank you